You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. everybody good evening welcome to review and preview i'm your host tom scavetta join alongside kyle russo and then james montefusco below me fellas good evening how's it going tonight it's going good tom how you doing man doing good james james great to have you here in the studio i know you got a little rush home from work but i'm happy you made it yep it's been a long tuesday i thought today was wednesday all of a sudden during the middle of the day but i'm glad to be here with you guys putting a smile on my face yeah, well, we have a lot to discuss tonight. We have a lot to go over. First off, before we go uh, any further into this, uh, make sure to buy our Review and Preview merch. Get your Review and Preview apparel. It is available today. We have shirts, long sleeve shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, just a few basic products to start us off. Our store is officially open on Bonfire until Monday, October 25th. So please make sure to grab your Review and Preview sports apparel while you still can. We really do appreciate all the support that everybody has given us so far. Um, yeah, so this is just a look at some of the stuff that you can buy. Um, and then, James, uh, if you can um, paste the link in the comments section so yep. those who don't have the link already can go click on it and find it. Make sure to follow us on all our social media platforms as well, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and our YouTube cha- uh, YouTube channel. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. Really appreciate all the support we've gotten on there. And let's get the harm out of the way. Um, again, I want to get this through and through. Our favorite topic every week is this, the New York Giants, ladies and gentlemen. Lovely. New York football giants, uh, the one in five New York football giants um, coming off a 38 to 11 loss to the Rams at home. Uh, the highlight of the day was probably the halftime ceremony, the 10 year anniversary of the 2011 Super Bowl team. Probably the highlight of everyone's day watching David Deal run out onto the field it was awesome. Uh, first time an NFL game has ended with this score, 38 11. Shout out Mike DeSanto for. Um, giving that fact to us. But Kyle, I'm going to start with you again, giants, similar game script, go up early up three, nothing. And then all of a sudden they get outscored 28, nothing in the second quarter. And what went wrong? The giants are the giants. That's what went wrong. Uh, Whether you disagree or not, I think that we can look at it now. I know it was only one week. I think that saints game was an aberration of what this team really is. They are not a good football team by any stretch of the imagination. I get it. The injuries are injuries, and they were a very hurt team offensively. You saw right away Tooney went out on the first drive, and that was really it for the offensive weapons. But there is no excuse 
for how poorly that defense played and no excuse for the four turnovers that Daniel Jones had in this game. Zero excuse whatsoever. We knew going into this game the Giants were going to have slim to no chance whatsoever to win this football game. Mm-hmm. But lose the game 20-3 to three if you're going to lose it. 38, I, I, I say three because the, the garbage time football in which we played at the end to get a touchdown to bring us up to 11 points is the final score. I'm not going to count that. 38-3, to three, the final score of this game, is despicable. Because week in and week out, and I'm sick of it, I don't know what your guys' take is, but let's go to the coaching staff now, too. I'm a big fan of Joe Judge. Tom, I know you are, too. James, I know you are, too. But I don't care how hard you work in practice. If it's not paying off on Sunday, you got to go. Because this seat is getting warmer and warmer every week. You need to win football games because now the Giants are the worst team in football by record since 2017. And it's not looking any brighter. It's not. Yeah, James, pain is a good word to describe this football team right now. Let's go over some of those injuries before I get to your thoughts. Uh, Danny Shelton suffered a pectoral strain. Kadarius Toney left on the first drive with an ankle. C.J. Board broke his arm, likely ending his season. He was placed on IR today. Andrew Thomas injured both of his feet now and has an ankle injury. He's placed on short-term IR and will miss the next three games. That does not include the bye week. Um, or actually, yes, that he'll miss at least three weeks is what I should say. And then Kyle mentioned it, Jones, the four turnovers. He was also sacked four times. Uh, you know, I, I think maybe the only bright spot of this game was Sterling Shepard returning from his injury, having a solid game, 10 catches. But I mean, the way I look at this football team right now is it's been assembled very poorly by GM Dave Gettleman. Um, the injury prone players that we've assembled and I'm just going to come out and say this and, you know, I may get some heat from this. I hate turf so much. Why can't NFL teams just play on natural flipping grass? I don't understand it. I mean, this is why we've seen so many more injuries throughout the course of the, the years. There's no other way to put it. The field is causing some of these injuries. I'm saying not all of them are preventable if, if you play on grass, but I hate it. I personally hate it. And MetLife Stadium is one of the most injury-prone stadiums in the National Football League. We see it week in and week out. And you you already signed a bunch of players who have an injury history, and they're all hurt. Galladay, unavailable. Barkley, unavailable. Tony, unavailable. Your best your two, your two best offensive linemen are both unavailable in Nick Gates and Andrew Thomas. James, walk a, walk the folks through this football game and what's going through your mind when you're seeing this game unfold. So I was only lucky enough, I should say, to watch the first half because uh, I had to go to work. So thank God for that. Um, to see this game unfold, Daniel Jones getting like slaughtered, I felt like, within the first play. Um, I was like, oh, this is going to be a long game. Not surprising. Um, but then see us go down the field only to get three points. I was like, we did all this work to get, again, minimal points like we have done in the past year, years, I should say, for some games. And then seeing Tony make this great play and then struggling and limping off the field to then he's out. 
seeing him walk to the locker room. It was a dis, dis, disgusting, I, I guess. I, it's Maybe it's not the correct term, but that's what came to my head. It was – I don't know if it's the players going too hard in practice that's causing these injuries. I don't know if they're not – because I think one of the announcers, I forget which one, said it perfectly, um, that are they – like, are they – it, they're prepared, but it's not leading to the on the field stuff. You can be as prepared as you can in practice, but if you're not executing it on the field, there's a problem. There's a disconnect from practice. It, it, it's like, for example, I just hired a whole, whole bunch of new staff. It, I'm looking at it the same way I am. I can train them, but if it's not going to correlate to what's going on the field, that's the problem. That it comes from above. Are they giving the correct information? The fact is, it's it's just disgusting to see um, this team play, and especially we have the gauntlet. Uh, is what everybody's saying of the season is happening right now in front of our eyes, and half of our teams in on the IR out for God knows how long. Um, I do think it's time to make an adjustment, whether it be with coaching staff, whether it be with play calling, along with our GM, because this is just just not acceptable and bringing in injury prone guys is not acceptable i don't know how you guys feel about it but to see who they sign and then all of a sudden you find out he's injury prone this is what his past is like are you just bandaging this these this team with injury prone prone players and hoping for the best because to me that's how it feels like i'm just watching band-aids get slapped on band-aids andrew thomas that's unfortunate for both his like both of his feet you know but Everybody else, I feel like it's just slapping Band-Aids on the problem and not really ripping the whole Band-Aid off and fixing it from the ground up. I don't know. You talk about bright spots with this game. You know what the bright spot on Sunday was? Is that it was a nice day out weather-wise from what I saw on TV. I was uh, I was at a wedding on Sunday, and I saw the field goal get kicked. I turned my phone off for the 30-minute ceremony in church. I turned it back on, and the Giants are down. 28 to three at half. And that was it. That's Giants football for you. And I don't know how you guys feel about this time. I don't know if we were discussing this for what, for what reason, you know, uh, sometimes you love the mentality. Sometimes you love the vocalness. Sometimes it just makes zero sense whatsoever. Why did Daniel Jones after embarrassing himself in just two quarters need to play the full 60 minutes of football? Why? Why? What? Why? We need to compete all 60 minutes. Compete for what? A top 10, a top five draft pick? What are we competing for? Because we're not winning the division. We're not, the Giants are not making a wild card. You, you gave up 28 points in a quarter. What, what, you have no offensive weapons whatsoever. What are you competing with? What are you competing? Hoping he doesn't get injured. Really? Jones? He should have been pulled. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not defending Jones here, but he was set up to fail on Sunday. He had nothing out there, which, to Kyle's point, is why I think Jones either, A, shouldn't have played to begin with because you're going up against the Rams and Aaron Donald. I think Daniel Jones or not, the Giants would have lost this game anyway, regardless with who started at QB. Um, I'm not mad about the loss. I'm mad about the way that we lost. We shouldn't have lost by that margin. Um, it's gotten so bad, the Giants decided to – they signed Benardrick McKinney today off the street. Um, Tommy Trovinen has been signed to the practice squad, uh, wide receiver out of North Dakota. 
and Corey Cunningham and Dante Pettis have been promoted from the 53-man roster. And I guarantee you, you're going to see David Sills suiting up for the first time in an NFL game, NFL regular season game on Sunday. Uh, that's how thin this Giants receiving core has become. Uh, so you have Sterling Shepard, John Ross, and Dante Pettis. Maybe Slayton comes back. Maybe Galladay comes back. Maybe Tony comes back. But they're None of those guys are 100%. None of them are. Uh, I mean, they, continue, they continue to not use Caden Smith properly. Nate Solder dislocated his finger. I don't know if you guys heard about that. Yep. No. That's news. Not surprised he got injured because, you know, he's also injury prone. He, he, but you also have two tight ends. One that was – it can be a receiver in Ingram. Why don't we use him more? Oh, wait, that's right. He can't catch a ball. Why is he still on this team? Like, we also have to look at – Who's on this team that's not helping us in any way? We could have traded Ingram for draft picks. Gettleman's like, no, he's valuable to us. How the hell is he valuable to us? He can't catch a ball for his life. Check out this comment from Tommy Mack. Uh, Once the turf is installed, they don't have to change it for a long time, which is very true. It makes the maintenance jobs a lot easier, but uh, still not. So he does agree. He doesn't think there should be turf either. The owners are beyond rich. Um, what that's just I how think, I feel. That's why, you know, I just I don't I don't agree with this whole turf mentality. My dad was even complaining about it. Um, it at both the Giants and the Jets, the 49ers get it bad too every single year. Oh yeah, remember the but Jets the team last time, year when they had like five players go down that second game of the season? Mostert, Bosa, Solomon Thomas, they all yeah. went down in that game. Kind of ended the season. Jimmy Garoppolo. But at the same time, we can't just use the turf as a scapegoat. Conditioning also plays a factor in this, um, you know. So, I mean, I, I think the primary source is probably what we're alluding to. But, uh, you know, it's really unfortunate. And John brings up a good point. The Giants have a bunch of injuries. I have been hearing a lot of people saying trade Barkley because he is always injured and get someone else in a pick for a cheaper contract, which now you're asking yourselves the question, why did you not re-sign Wayne Gallman, right? Um you let him walk, and Brian Attard was on Big Blue Avenue a couple weeks ago complaining about Zeke's contract, how that's eating up a lot of money that the Cowboys should have been this good a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. But they weren't because they had to spend all their money on other areas and couldn't focus on needs. They couldn't focus on defensive players. Now they finally can, but all these guys are up for contracts. Michael Gallup's up for a contract. Um, you know, so it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Saquon Barkley. I guarantee you he's going to play on that fifth-year option next year. He's not getting extended this offseason if he continues to get hurt like this. Guys, I want to I look at it this way because we keep on talking about, you know, a lot of excuses and excuses with this team, injury, tariff, whatever it is. The bottom line is this. The Giants are not a good football team. They haven't been for as far as I can remember. Whether you're healthy or not, they still have stunk on the football field every single Sunday, day in and day out. They are a team that, thank goodness for one of the best corners in football, and Marshawn Lattimore just not paying attention to a play from being 0-6. That's what this football team is in all reality because that's when the injuries really started stacking up three, four weeks into the season. That's when the injuries started piling up, and they were still an awful football team those first three weeks. Nothing, And those were against teams that – we thought were winnable games and we were losing. Now let we're me, in what we're calling the gauntlet 
There's no shot of us winning. There's no shot of the Giants putting together a solid season. And we talk about the progression of this team. I read an article today. I don't know what your guys' take is on this, but the Giants, we want to talk about bad contracts. The Giants have a plethora of them and have locked themselves in with all these injury-prone players that we're talking about that they signed to big-term deals, guys that aren't performing on top of the fact that this is a team that had two what we thought were terrific drafts, two years in a row, which we thought were two terrific off-seasons, and you guess, guess what, guys? Guess how many wins that's equaled? It's equaled about six, seven wins in, in two years. The Giants have lost 75% of their games the last four years, five years now. 75%. They have lost three and a half, almost four complete seasons worth of football games. They have won barely above one season's worth of football games in five years of football. (laughs) There's no more excuses with this team. It's just the way that they are. It's the mentality of the franchise. Tom, you're talking about hopefully Gettleman gets fired so Kevin Abrams moves up. I'm not sure that's going to be much better because anybody within this inside the organization is going to be thinking the same exact way, and it's going to be the same thing, just a different show of face for the remaining three years until we have something else to say about that new person. Russo, I like on. how you bring it. Hold on. I really want to get yeah. this. It's, it's, it's not really a counter argument, but this is me playing devil's advocate, right? I predicted us to lose the Washington game. You guys remember that. Yep. Um, I didn't think we were losing Atlanta. But the Giants are two last second field goals away from being three and three. And we're, we'd be sitting here at three and three having this discussion saying, well, we feel a little more confident going into this Carolina game on Sunday because they've lost three in a, three in a, a, a row. But with the way we performed against the Rams on Sunday – it's unacceptable. I mean, the run defense wasn't great. I mean, they were okay against Henderson, but Sony Michelle had some really good runs. Of course, Stafford had the four touchdowns, and we knew Cooper Cup was going to blow us up. That was unavoidable. I was impressed, though, with Tay Crowder and Jabril Peppers on Tyler Higby. Higby did not do much yeah. throughout the course of this game. And Robert Robert Woods was kept quiet as well. Um, granted, the Rams were given a short field more often than not, but um, – I think the biggest issue with uh, the Giants in this game was the turnovers. Taylor Rapp had two picks. Robert Rochelle, who was the corner opposite of Jalen Ramsey, had one himself. And Leonard Floyd, who Dave Gettleman tried to aggressively sign in the offseason, had one and a half sacks. Well, so there, there you go. Um, typical Giants football game. There, there's really no other way to put it. This team is awful. Um Gettleman needs to be fired. Giants rank 24th in rushing. Offense just 90 yards a game. Vowing to build a team around stopping the run. The Giants' rush defense is ranked 31st. I think, honestly, uh, to be honest with you, you know, we see power rankings. We look at record. And I'm not just saying this to stir the pot. I think the Giants are the worst team in the NFL right now because they are the only team. You want to talk about injuries, but I talked about the first three, four weeks of the season before they started piling up. They're the only team up until those first couple weeks of the season or week four, week five, that really had no excuse for being as bad as they were. Every other team, like Houston, missing Deshaun Watson, that's huge. Jacksonville, being a rookie quarterback, missing one of your first-round draft picks in Tyler and ETN, having a rookie head coach. Same thing with the Jets. Same thing with Detroit. The Giants had no reason. Spending the money they spent 
spending the draft capital they spent, and they were still a terrible team. You talk about those Washington games and those Atlanta games. Well, that was early on in the season when we thought they'd be a better team. Look at them now. Atlanta going into that game had given up 80 points. Our offense couldn't score one passing touchdown against a defense that had given up 80 points combined in the first two weeks of football. We look at the Washington football defense now, guys, six weeks of the season. Is Washington really a great team that we had to lose to them? This team is not a good team. That's the problem. They're not a good team. And with all the health in the world, I still don't think that they'd have any more wins than they do now. Well, well, I'm going to disagree Tommy. with that. They're, they're, they're not the worst team in football. They're one of the worst teams in football. Um, that, that's just my take on it. You can make an argument for them being the worst team in football, but I think a little bit differently when it comes to that. James, I want to get to you here before we move on to preview this Carolina game. Yeah, just two quick things. Tom, you said we could be 3-3 three and three right now. I feel like that that's a, been a repeated statement out of one of our mouths over the last two years. If we made a field goal, if they missed a field goal, kind of like I feel like that's a revolving door. Also, I want to bring up this point. I think it was Williams that said in one of the press conferences, he's like, I don't like to be booed. Well, no one does like to be booed. I'm sorry, but play better. Maybe support your team. Maybe do something in the locker room to get them going or get them fired up or something. I don't, don't stand there. I don't like to be booed. Nobody likes to be booed. I'm sorry you're also playing in New York. We will boo the shit out of you no matter what goes on in the field. Whether it's, whether it's right or wrong, James, wrong. I mean, it just happens. I don't think it's right because well, Williams no. is actually, well, again, in all he, seriousness, he I think so, he was probably the only bright spot of the game, maybe well, outside that's what of I'm Xavier saying, Yeah, but, but I'm sorry, but I mean, don't complain you're being booed when you only score a total of three points and let the Rams' offense run all over you besides you and McKinney. Yeah. Oh, but uh, Tommy says if Gettleman gets fired, which he should, does Judge go with him? New, yep. new GMs usually want their own coach. Yeah. Um, I think so, but I don't think Gettleman's getting fired. I hate, I hate to say this. Um, I, I think he should, but I don't think he is. I think he's going to retire. You know it's the Giants' way. It's the same thing when Coughlin was on his way out. And by no means should Tom Coughlin have ever gotten fired. That man should have not gotten fired. But it's the Giants' way to not fire people. They don't like to do it. Um, That's just my opinion. Prior to the 2020 season, Gettleman professed he believed the Giants were closer than ever to being a finished product up front. Yet four years later, vowing to fixing the O-line, the Giants have surrendered 12 sacks through six weeks. Um, yeah, that, that's a big issue because our, our starting left guard and our starting center, both out for the season, starting left tackle, out for the next three weeks. And to begin with, um, let's be realistic. Nate Solder is not a starting caliber offensive lineman. The Giants didn't do anything in the offseason to upgrade their offensive line. Correct. So that should, have been, that should have been fireable right away. We all questioned all those draft picks that the Giants had, all that money the Giants had, they spent zero on that offensive line. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of this question? Because I I don't know what he's referring to here, but Andrew Thomas has had a pretty damn good season despite the injuries that he's been dealing with. Um, oh, one of the best great. left tackles, according to PFF, number one, and he pancaked Aaron Donald, who tried rushing Daniel Jones. So um, I'm going to disagree with you, John, if that's a shot at Andrew Thomas because he's been playing one hell of a season so far. Yeah. Um, he's been the only guy on the offensive line that has been playing up to his potential. At least that's yeah. that's how I feel. Yeah, he's been he's been 
definitely listen after the season that he had last year he's had a much improved season again the first couple weeks were a little rough but uh, again now as soon as he starts to gain some progression in terms of you know being that solid left tackle hopefully for the future he gets injured and hopefully that doesn't become a constant over the course of his career as well because your best ability is availability that, that's bottom line mm-hmm. So now we preview the Carolina game. The Panthers, they started 3-0. Now they're 3-3. Three and three. Tough overtime loss to the Minnesota Vikings. Sam Darnold starting to show his true colors that maybe he's not the quarterback Carolina thought he was at the beginning of the season. Uh, not having Christian McCaffrey has been a huge blow to that offense. Panthers won their last meeting against the Giants. Three years ago they played in 2018 by a final score of 33-31. to 31. Uh Three years later, the Giants are still experiencing painful losses like this. Our current kicker, Graham Gano, drilled the game-winner 63-yard field goal to beat the Giants. I remember in that. that game. I remember that. I was heartbroken after that kick. Uh, but Panthers, no Christian McCaffrey. They are expected to open up a practice window for Stephon Gilmore this week, but he has not practiced in months. I doubt he'll be ready for Sunday. And the real storyline that nobody's talking about is Sam Darnold returning to MetLife Stadium for the first time since being a, a Jet. What do you guys think about that? Is there going to be any extra juice or motivation for Sam on Sunday? I think that it would be more so if he was playing his old team in the Jets, which he obviously played earlier on in the season. They wanted to be in the Jets, not in MetLife, though, I believe. It wasn't It wasn't in MetLife, right? They played in Carolina. Yeah, um, yeah, Carolina. But – uh, against the Giants, uh, again, maybe you'll have a couple, a couple familiar faces in terms of fans kind of, you know, embracing him, whether it's in a positive light or negative light. Again, if you were a Jets fan over the course of the last three, four years watching Sam Darnold play for the Jets, I don't think that you could knock him at all in terms of the play that he had with the coaching, the the weapons that he had to work with, the coordinators he had to work with. And, and you're seeing in Carolina, even though he's had kind of a skid the last three weeks, He's been without, you know, arguably the best and most versatile weapon in all of football, Christian McCaffrey, because we've seen the prior three weeks when they started the season off 3-0, when he's in the lineup, they were an, an unbeatable force. And to be honest, even without Christian McCaffrey, they're still putting up pretty great offensive numbers. I believe 28 points in week four, 18 points in week three, and 28 points last week as well. Even though they're losses, they're showing the capability to put up numbers, even without one of the best weapons in football. And so as we preview this Giants game, returning to MetLife, although Sam has thrown a lot of picks as of late, I still expect Carolina to come away with the win because they're able to score. They are able to play complete games. They look competent in situations where times get difficult with Matt Rule as the head coach. I expect them to win. I don't know if we're getting out score predictions, but I think Carolina takes this game. Sixth-ranked defense, too, and Truba Hubbard has done a great job in relief for McCaffrey. Um, you know, everything you'd want, serviceable player. Uh, yeah, score prediction, sure. Um, I'm going to save mine for my Big Blue Avenue show on Thursday. Uh, but if you guys want to pr- predict this now, by all means, James and Kyle, go ahead. Uh, I'll say as a final score, I'll say 28 to 28 to 17, Carolina. At least the Giants are scoring some points on Sunday. Garbage time. Stop. All right, James. Um, well, since this is probably one of the games I can watch. Oh, no, next Sunday I can also watch the Giants. Lovely. Um, I'm going to say 
you know what? They're going to surprise people this game. Somehow they're going to win. It's going to be 21-17. Giants. This game could really go either way just because both teams have been playing very poorly as of late. Usually when the Giants are hitting rock bottom and everybody's like, oh, they stink, and then they they play – you know, a relatively good football team and they come around and they surprise you with the win. Like they did last year with Seattle. They, they did that with the, yeah. the saints. They very well could do it this weekend with Carolina. Um, the numbers for Darnold don't tell the whole story last week. There were yep. a ton of drops. There was a hundred percent. He looked he terrific did, on that last drive. I was just about to say he did lead them on that last drive to score the, uh, you know, the touchdown and then the two-point conversion, the tie. Um, John Suggs is 26-17 Panthers. Um, yeah, I mean, as of right now, I haven't made my final de- decision yet, but I'm somewhat leaning towards the Panthers here, um, only because I think their defense is going to be able to um, contain the offense. And with all these weapons, you know, not 100% for the Giants, I, I don't see them being able to pull this one off. Well, Kyle's wide receiver for them this weekend. You didn't hear? They signed me yeah. up. Yeah, signed them up. I'd expect to see David Sills get some action on Sunday. That should be fun to watch. Um, the Jets, time to make fun of the Jets because they're just as bad. <laughs> um, they have a reason to be. All right. We're done <laughs> with the Giants, Kyle. Uh, we're moving on to the Jets. Um, not the airplanes uh, worked on by Nick Tonks. Um, they're at the New England Patriots. This is weird. Week seven, they're already playing the Patriots for the second time this season. That's awfully weird the way the schedule has panned out, being that there is an 18th week this season that through yeah. seven weeks they've already finished their New England schedule for the season. But Jets are coming off a bye week. They lost in London to the Falcons, which I predicted live on review preview. I was the only one to pick the Falcons in that game. And I, and That's right. To throw some salt there with that. Um, the Patriots won 25-6 to versus the Jets back on September 18th. Uh, New England is coming off an overtime loss on Sunday to the Cowboys at home. Uh, the Jets have the worst offense in the National Football League scoring-wise, and they have the worst rushing attack in the NFL, although they do have the seventh-ranked defense. So Robert Salah is getting those guys ready defensively. Mac Jones, Last week had an okay game. Damian Harris scored a touchdown. New England did have four sacks. Um, but the biggest question is, can Zach Wilson limit the turnovers? I think that's going to be a big thing. If he does, the Jets have a chance to be competitive and win this football game. But Mac Jones is clearly the better rookie quarterback right now. He's in a better situation. And I'll be honest with you, I mean, it's hard not to pick New England in this game, especially looking at the way they performed against Dallas last week. Yeah, this is uh, this is tough because we saw kind of a breakout game, even though it was kind of quiet in a sense for Mac Jones, just the offense and the way they played against Dallas, who had a who who had a terrific game, another terrific game this past Sunday, going into overtime in New England. Everybody called it a trap game. That's exactly what it was because they kept it competitive right down to the wire. Um, but for this Jets team, like John is talking about, they have struggled mightily with the run, and that just completely takes one facet of the game completely off the Jets' radar, which is crazy to me because I thought that in drafting Michael Carter out of North Carolina, 
UNC, they, they'd have such a, a game plan for him to become a key part, bringing in a Tevin Coleman, who we've seen in the past, is not just a running back, but also a pass-catching running back to work into the offense. Ty Johnson, who had success last year, but they've had zero success whatsoever in terms of running the football. And then when it comes into the pass, New England's kind of a split-even defense when you look amongst all other NFL teams. They give about 250 yards passing, 120 yards rushing per game, kind of split even between the rest of the NFL around the 15-16 marker in terms of their overall ranking. But I don't expect them to compete very much because their defense, I feel, is going to keep them very, very competitive like it's done all season long. Mac Jones, while he's had his good days and the running backs as well, had their good days like Damian Harris running for over 100 yards this past weekend against Dallas, I just don't see New England having any trouble defensively stopping the offense in which the Jets are going to have to throw at them. And that's why I'm going to pick New England in this game. Fun fact, the Jets had more total yards than the Patriots did the last time out. The Jets lost because of the turnovers, the four Zach Wilson interceptions. Kyle, do you want to give a score on that prediction? Uh, I'm going to say 27 to 10. All right. Patriots. James, you're up, buddy. Um, don't, don't disappoint us. No, I won't. Jets aren't going to do anything fascinating. Um, score New England 17, Jets 10. I think the Jets are going to be a lot more competitive in this football game. Also, John Suggs, clearly you're in baseball mode right now because I know you're an Atlanta Braves fan, and I know you've been watching the NLCS. That's why he said IL. <laughs> um <laughs> Becton has been a big loss. Yeah. I mean, similar to the Giants, both New York teams without their starting left tackle. It's it's a shame. Mekhi Becton would be – I mean, that's a big problem, right? Zach Wilson does not have his blindside protector in there, which has definitely contrib- contributed to some of these turnovers. Uh, you said 17-10 New England. Tommy's writing them down as well. John says 33-13. That's just disrespectful, but I could potentially see that happening. I can see that. Did did John say that the Patriots are getting James White off the IL? I guess James White is out for the rest of the year. Where where is he getting that he's coming back? He just got hurt like two weeks ago. I'm not sure. I don't know what's going on. Um, I just know that uh, Swiss Consen is about to tip off, so I have that on the corner of my screen uh, on – TNT uh, defending champs in the Milwaukee Bucks. But anyway, um, (laughs) so you know what, guys? I think the Jets are going to make this a very close and competitive game. But being that it's in New England, New England has not won a game at Gillette yet this season. I think the Patriots are going to win. But I think they're going to win by a final of 23-16. to This is the exact same score prediction I made last time that the Patriots played the Jets. Um, yeah, I just I, I just think that this is how it's going to be. I think the Jets are only going to lose by one score. The Jets are a team that I think is going to look a little bit better towards the second half of the season right now. Um, unfortunately, I do see another, lo- other, uh, ugh, another loss, although if they were playing New England much later in the season, week 16, week 17, we could be talking a little differently here with um, yep. this stuff. 
But we have another comment from uh, John. He meant Trent Brown. Yeah, I was going to say, John, I'm pretty sure James White is done for the year. Trent Brown, yeah, that should only further improve that offensive line, give Mac Jones even better protection than he's already getting and allowing the run game to be even better than it's been. So but before we get into some of the big games, I want to hear both of your team of the week. Um, that's our next segment. James, who is your team of the week? And again, this broad strokes here doesn't need to be just NFL. It, it could be anywhere, any any sport. Who is your team of the week? Great Chris I mean, Allen starting at the two guard. Interesting. <laughs> um, I would say the Islanders, but I am playing too well. Um, New England, the Pats, nearly Why? given Dallas – Giving nearly given Dallas an L. I mean, you know, um, if it wasn't for some of those costly mistakes, New England would have won, Dallas would have lost, and also the Diggs, Dallas's wide receiver, uh, not wide receiver, um, quarterback, quarterback. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, everybody's praising him on these interceptions, man. But how many penalties has he drawn to himself? You know, nobody's bringing that up because Dallas is winning. But if Dallas was losing, all that stuff would be out the window and be like, oh, well, he's penalizing this team. But I'm going with New England. That was a little rant on mine. But New England, they put up a fight against Dallas, and that was that was probably one of the best games of the week. I'm not gonna, I was going to take Johns in the comment section. He'll pull that up in a minute. But I'm going to take the Atlanta Braves going up 2-0 on the Dodgers. And right now they're up 5-2 on the Dodgers in the top of the sixth. Giving the Dodgers one of the best teams in baseball run for their money is the Braves – Potentially go up 3-0 tonight. That's my team of the week. Yeah, very interesting. And, James, to your pick about the Patriots, they lost to the Cowboys 35-29 in OT. C.D. Lamb had the game-winning 35-yard score. Um, Prescott threw 450 yards, three touchdowns. Lamb had two. Trayvon Diggs also ties the NFL record with seven interceptions through six games set by Rod Woodson back in 1993. Yet, Patriots still brought Dallas to overtime, which is pretty darn impressive. That's what I'm um, saying. My team of the week, again, you, you guys know I have a certain model when it comes to NFL teams, and I'm going to follow that again. Um, it's the Minnesota Vikings for me. Everybody continues to count them out. I'm telling you, this Minnesota Vikings team will be in the playoffs this year when all is said and done. They will be a wild card team. Um, I still think that they'll beat Green Bay once. Um, John took uh, the Baltimore Ravens, so I wasn't going to go with them. I'm not picking Dallas. I would pick Arizona, but, uh, I mean, I feel like that would be too obvious of a choice. I'm going to throw in a little curveball and give you the Minnesota Vikings. I just – I love the way they overcame adversity after giving up that touchdown and two-point conversion, still stuck together going into overtime. And let's show Kirk Cousins some love. He's played like a top-10 QB this year so far. Um, yep. John agrees that Vikings are a sleeper and goes to show you pocket QBs can still ball. Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady, just to name a couple. Um, oh, yeah. Eagles kept it close with the Bucks. Yeah, they did down the stretch if it wasn't for some uh, some penalties going in the Bucks' favor. The Eagles had a player, chance to come back. Player of the week, Derrick Henry. Um, well, we'll I don't think there's that. any argument there. We'll Ooh. talk about that in a minute. <laughs> we'll get yeah, to we Buffalo will. and Tennessee in about five minutes from now. Only problem I have with the Vikings is how many close games are they going to keep pulling off? Uh, I mean, it depends on their special teams, right? 
Well, John, you could look at that glass half full kind of mentality, right? Look at the three games they've lost. They've lost by a combined total of 11 points, the three losses that they have this season. The first two losses were absolutely heartbreakers, especially the one two, which is now the only remaining team in football that's undefeated, the Cardinals, who are 6-0 and right now. The Vikings probably played them at their best when they lost on a game-winning, game-missed field goal by Greg Joseph, who was the kicker for the Vikings. So that they are a competitive team. They are a very competitive team. Again, I don't see them winning a division with Green Bay in it and what Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams have done. But in terms of a wild card team in this NFC, the way it's panned out so far this year, they're definitely comp- they're definitely competitive. And you're right, Tom. People have given Kirk Cousins a lot of uh, a lot of I don't want to say slack, but a lot of uh, harsh words, I guess I'd say, for his quarterback play and what he's done over the course of his career. Whether it was with the what uh, what is now known as the Washington Football Team, or now with the Minnesota Vikings and the contract extension which he got a year or two ago. Uh, saying that it was undeserved, all that guaranteed money. He's played very, very well and kept them very, very competitive, especially in times where they've missed one of their key offensive pieces in Dalvin Cook in a lot of the games uh, where you look back and see that if he was a an asset in some of those games, Minnesota might even be a better team than what they were in previous seasons. But, yeah. again, that's another thing. If Dalvin Cook stays healthy on that Minnesota offense, they are they are a good team. They are a good team. One of their losses came without Dalvin Cook, as you mentioned, who rushed for 140 yards. The Vikings had 571 total yards of offense on the Panthers. The Panthers had a top 10 defense going into this football game. This is the most amount of total yards by the Vikings in a game since week six of 2004. I was nine years old. I was just saying. I'm going to look right into the camera when I say this, and then and then and then we're going to move on. The Minnesota Vikings will be in the playoffs, and you can write this down. You can write this down. I will live by that statement. They will be in the playoffs this season, and I, I predicted that before the season. You guys know that. I'm yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say. I don't think that that's. Statement. I don't think that's such an outrageous comment. I, I think they. I think they will. I think they will too. They should. I don't see any which way and why they wouldn't make it, especially kind of how this NFC has kind of panned itself out to be. Yeah. Also, how about the Cardinals trading for Zach Ertz, man? They're, I mean, obviously he didn't play. He played in the Philly game on Thursday night, gets traded a day later. The um, rich get richer. Yeah, yeah. They, they improve. They have him and Max Williams now at tight end. Um, Cardinals are 6-0 and for the first time since 1974. Uh Marcus Golden, this really pains me to say. Two sacks and a forced fumble. I get it. Kareem Hunt left the game. He's going to be out for a month. JOK, my guy, out for a month. Nick Chubb ruled out for this Thursday night game. And then Baker and Odell had injuries in this game too. Yeah. So Cleveland was pretty much a bunch of dead men walking against Arizona. So, I mean, I can't really blame the Browns for this loss. I mean, they – they had a ton of injuries, um, and you're going up against the best team in football. But they have to beat the Broncos on Thursday night football to get back on track. That's a game you should win, with injuries or not. That's well, you a game it. that's not excusable. You have to win that football game. Well, the quarterback, Baker, is playing with a torn labrum right now. He actually attended the press conference wearing a sling. You got to see if he can even throw the football. Now you don't even have a – I don't even know who they have at running back now. Dearness Johnson, maybe? 
I know they were they, they were using the I believe his, and then Felton I, I believe his name was they were using a little Felton. bit yeah that's his name yeah yeah and they have the receivers Gosh. I think Landry's still in IR Odell I don't know if he's gonna play so they got uh they got some problems in Cleveland right now Tommy just wrote it down with the date and the time love to see it thanks Tommy and you know what one more game before we bring up Albert to talk about the Bills. The Steelers beat the Seahawks 23-20 to in overtime. Seattle without Russell Wilson. And you know what? Russell Wilson should not be on the field to the way that he is trying to get the football back and play. I mean, how do you not throw a flag at this guy? I'm texting Dom, and Dom is a Steelers fan, so of course he's pissed that Russell Wilson is pretty much getting away with anything that he wants, and the refs are listening yeah. to him getting his intel on some of these plays. And don't get me wrong. Give Seattle credit. Um, you know, they hanged in there tough. But uh, when it came down to it, Geno Smith uh, proves to be a, uh, an NFL failure yet again. T.J. Watt with the strip wow. sack. Uh, to harsh sack words. You know, it's not harsh. I mean, you know, he broke he broke Eli's streak. So, I mean, Matt McAdoo broke Eli's streak, not Geno. Yeah, not Geno. Um, Alex Highsmith, one and a half sacks. Cam Hayward had one. Najee Harris continues to prove that he's going to be potentially the next Derrick Henry. I mean, man, this Steelers team, they have weapons on offense. The question is, you have an aging quarterback and a rough offensive line. Those are the two problems on this football team right now. The rest of the team is complete. Pat Fryermuth reminds me a lot of Heath Miller. And... I know Juju's out for the season, but they have Deontay Johnson. They have Chase Claypool, who I think, again, a little biased here saying this, he'll be a bona fide number one in a year or two, maybe less than that. And they have weapons. They have really good weapons. So I think Pittsburgh, they could make a run at a wild, at a wild card spot. That division's tough, though. That division's tough. You've got four really good football teams in that division. Yep. Um, I think I think the Steelers are better than what a lot of people are giving out. to be. Remember, they beat the Bills in week one. I uh, the thing with the thing with the Steelers for me is is like you said is Ben Roethlisberger because we're told we talked all we talked about in the beginning of the season is how is this offensive line going to allow Najee Harris to be the Najee Harris from Alabama when they have zero offensive line in front of them and rushing has not been a problem at all all season long and and his pass catching ability has made this Steelers offense flourish even more than I think a lot of people believe that it would, especially now losing Juju Smith-Schuster for the entirety of the year. Eric Ebron com- being completely taken out of the offense, I don't, I don't know why. I get Pat Fryermuth was a second-round investment, but I don't, I don't understand why Eric Ebron has been taken out. Chase Claypool didn't even have that solid of a game uh, against one of the worst defenses in all of football with essentially no real solid quarterback compared to Russell Wilson, what he brings to the table. But it's Ben Roethlisberger, right? Even mm-hmm. as bad as the Seahawks' defense is, he struggled tremendously in this game, barely eclipsing 200 yards, throwing one touchdown, and completing, I want to say, around 60% of his passes. The, the aging quarterback is going to be the make or break for them in Ben Roethlisberger. That's going to be the decision maker, especially when you're looking at Tom. You talked about the division. You're looking at Lamar, who's competing for an MVP. You're looking at Cincinnati, who's – fighting their way in that AFC North. And even though Cleveland, the injuries in which they have, they still look like a solid team every single weekend. The Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger, it's what Ben are you going to get on Sunday? Uh, that's that's really the decision maker for me. 
fair stuff, all fair stuff. And at this time, we're going to bring on our guest, Albert Doner, um, all the way from Florida. He's been hunting down my brother lately. Albert, how's it going in Bill's Mafia world? Or should I say uh, the Sunshine State? Uh, Florida's going good. Um, can't really complain except for the heat. As for, you know, the Bills Mafia, I don't think we're in a great place right now, but. <laughs> yeah, they suffered a very tough loss last night. Um, fell to the Titans 37 to 34. Do you agree with the decision to go for it on fourth and one down by three? in the Titans red zone, or would you have kicked the field goal in that situation to bring it to OT? Um, I think I would have kept, uh, I agree with uh, the decision to go for it on fourth and one Um, with the the drive they were having just before um, the final play. They, they were um, going down the field looking for the win. You do not stop Josh Allen in that momentum to kick the tying field goal and possibly leave it up to Derrick Henry running through your defense again. Um, so I, I do agree that they, with the fourth and one call, would I have gone under like the QB sneak under probably not, but I, I do agree with their, their call on fourth and one. I think uh, with Josh Allen's leaping ability, you go over. Not on. <laughs> I I agree with it completely. Like like Albert alluded to, I, with Josh Allen as your quarterback, with the momentum which they were having, you're not taking the ball out of his hands and and, and leaving it up to fate, hoping that you get the ball back. With mm-hmm. the way the offense of Tennessee was playing against Buffalo's defense, as good of a game I would say that Buffalo's defense had, because they they kept in strong. Mm-hmm. Nobody has found a, a formula to stop Derrick Henry. That's really the the underlying problem here with that game last night is that there was no answer for him whatsoever. Started off with that, what, 76-yard touchdown and never looked back from then on out for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. And then you saw A.J. Brown, who has been on hiatus, I guess you'd say, has been absentee the last five weeks of the season, and you see the A.J. Brown of, of the past come on the scene with Julio Jones, and we see this offensive explosion in which we thought would be possible in the beginning of the season – against one of the best defenses in all of football, and you start to question and you say, well, well what, is ha- what is the truth here with this Bills team? You know, what are they really capable of doing? Because, again, what mm-hmm. we saw earlier in the season with the Bills, huge question mark week one against the Steelers. Like, what, how, how do we lose to the Steelers? Now you're seeing with the Tennessee Titans, who going into this week, I would have said that they probably were the most disappointing team in football mm-hmm. based on what they did in the offseason, based on where they ended off in the previous season, they weren't performing nearly as well as they left off. The only reason why people, I guess, were kind of forgetting about them is because in a division as bad as they're in, they were still winning that division. So it really wasn't a question. But with the decision to run the football with Josh Allen, I don't question that at all. He lost his footing. It's just a a Mm -hmm. fortune of luck. You do that a hundred times and and the bills caught the one time that, that that would essentially happen. But Mm -hmm. I I agree with the call a hundred percent. John has a question, Albert. Did you break a table after that game? Uh, if I had access to a folding table, I probably would have. I, I, I was not breaking my uh, 
my $60 coffee table from Target. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I want it to. I also want to throw a little shade at Russo. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders had an outstanding last drive. Uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> really doing a, really doing a fine job. Five catches, 91 yards. Um, yeah. How Albert has... Bert. For uh, for Tom alluding to, I, I was winning in fantasy. I had Stefan Diggs <laughs> winning in fantasy by 0. 0.7 on the last drive. All I needed mm-hmm. was Josh Allen not to pass to Emmanuel Sanders. Wind up losing the game by three points on the final drive. <laughs> tough loss. It's, tough loss. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of just tells you how highly efficient this Bills offense yeah, is. I mean, mm-hmm. they're ranked second in the NFL, um, averaging over 33 points a game. What's impressed you the most about their offense? Honestly, I'm just kind of happy they're working as uh, somewhat of a cohesive, well-oiled machine. Um, the past couple of years has been Josh Allen kind of learning what the, the game plan is. And now that he's kind of had a, a feel for what it is to actually have weapons after getting uh, Stefan Diggs and now uh, with Emmanuel Sanders emerging as a big name for him to throw through uh, throw to. I, I like not seeing the Bills lose like thirty five to seventeen now. <laughs> How the times have changed. Yeah, the that they have. Not just, not just not just not just that, but but Dawson Knox is evolving Ooh, as one yes. of a yeah, top five tight end in this league essentially by the end of the season. Cole Beasley, you can't forget about Gabriel Davis in that offense. Mm-hmm. Albert, question for you, because I've been I've been very judgmental with this Bills team upon this one thing. And they didn't necessarily improve in the offseason. They've kind of run back with the same formula, same method. Mm-hmm. We know Josh Allen has wheels himself and can run the football, but how do you feel about the tandem of Singletary and Moss? Because I don't I don't know if that's the long term answer. I don't know if that's the formula for championship with this Bills team. I don't I don't think so either. And it's uh, starting to see a bit of an issue for the Ravens as well with uh, Lamar Jackson, his legs. But I don't think uh, Singletary and Moss are the future. If the Bills are to make uh, a big splash in the, the playoffs, I think that you need uh, more uh, running back with more experience. So, someone else in there. Like, look, look, at the, look at what the Ravens did when – they lost Gus Edwards. They went out and got uh, Murray and Bell. Yeah. They wow. got experience. Yeah. Yeah. They got experience, and they got guys that could still play uh, more so. Murray. Mm-hmm. Murray has been kind of a solid back in there for them as well, and mm-hmm. not even just Murray, but Devonta Freeman in this in this game against the Chargers on Sunday mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. had himself a, a solid game as well. I so forgot I, I Devonta Freeman was a Raven. Yeah. Jeez. they they kind of had their running back carousel as soon as J.K. and Gus Edwards and now Tyson Williams has been worked out of the lineup. So it's been a running back by committee for the Ravens. But I agree with you upon the uh, the Bills. My thing would – I wouldn't say more experience. I'd just say more so just better at the position. Yeah, like they, They've had good games. Singletary has had good games. Zach Moss has had good games. But not so much against some of these – higher caliber great teams like they had good games against Miami Pittsburgh and Houston Mm -hmm. they got to be doing this you know when you get to the playoff can uh can't be dropping to the the always nine and seven times in the playoffs every year (laughs) 
James is yawning down there. James, you okay? Are we tiring you with uh, Buffalo James, Bills? James no. is listening to these problems about the Buffalo Bills wishing the, wishing the Giants had these types of problems. Yes, exactly, and, 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 and wishing Albert was still um, at IT to help me out with all my problems I'm having right now. Um, yeah. Albert, my question is to you, how do you guys not take advantage of like the seventh string quarterback cornerback and safety on the titans like I, like they were just getting hurt left and right and i, I don't know i thought Allen and Diggs and everybody else would just like seen that and use that as a weak target and just have a night i honestly james if i had an answer for you i would give it to you uh, i don't know i you know what it is i i was thinking about it and watching last night's game i'm like this is really Really sloppy compared to the aggressiveness they were uh, showing against Kansas City last week. And I have to wonder, is like, what did uh, the coaches say between can- the game with Kansas and last night? That was like, all right, guys, we need to not play as rough as we did. Uh, maybe ease back. I don't know. Like, it just felt it felt off. Everything just felt off, even though we did put up 31 points. Everything was just off, and I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, things were definitely off last night. (laughs) Speaking of off, um, Buffalo has a really good secondary, I mean, really good defense all around. Mm -hmm. I mean, Matt Milano wasn't 100%. Jordan Poyer coming off an injury. He has two picks on the season. Micah Hyde as well. Um, They have the number one scoring defense in the NFL, despite last night's Mm -hmm. letdown. Now, do you view that as a sign of concern, or is this just the inability to stop Derrick Henry? Like, do you think that they should be concerned in weeks going forward, or was this just like a one-time thing where Henry just had like a I I want to say this was a one-time thing, but, you know, with sports, any sport, you never can be uh, certain. Um, I think if this game had taken place after the bye week, I would have been a little bit more worried because um, the ESPN threw up a graphic that the Bills has ha- have had uh, Henry's number in the past couple of years, and they've let him run for the most yards um, the entire game last night. And honestly, I just think it's um, – it's a question of can we stop Derrick Henry once everything is in full motion? Because Derrick Henry usually starts the season off slow, and then he wakes up. It's a question of how do we stop him when he's woken up? I I don't think anybody has uh, right. gotten uh, got around to that yet. And the Bills, uh, after last night, it seems that, they are among the fallen of trying to figure out a way to stop Derrick Henry when he's firing on all cylinders. Is this, uh, you know, cause for yeah. me to worry um, going, going down the line? I, I don't think so. Albert. Yes. Something I, that I look at with this season for the bills, cause they've kind of, you look at the rest of their season with the exception of really Tampa and mm-hmm. you, you could take this either which way where you look at the rest of the schedule, and to be quite honest, to be frank, it's a cakewalk. 
looking at the schedule, it's a cakewalk with really the exception of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They don't really have any extremely tough opponents where you could really say anybody necessarily has an edge over them. Now, obviously, with losses to the Titans and losses to Pittsburgh, maybe a little more question with that statement by me saying a cakewalk. But <laughs> is there any cause for concern with the, I guess, the lack of playoff teams that you'll be playing against the rest of the season to then go up into the playoffs and kind of adjust into that playoff mode, not necessarily facing the cream of the crop talent the remaining 10 weeks in the season? Um, it is not now that you put it into light, looking at the rest of the season, it does probably raise a couple of questions. Can the Bills really play with top quality teams? Um, I mean, for years, we couldn't figure out how to beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. And we played them twice a year. Uh, you know, I I honestly think with the barring the any injuries that pop up um, after Dawson Knox hand injury, I think we can figure out a strategy to fight the uh, the upper quality teams, um, but. It, it does raise some questions. Mm. Yeah. Now I want to ask you this, and mm. John kind of brought this up. Isaiah McKenzie, why don't the Bills use him more? Do you think he should be used more? I mean, personally, I think the Bills just have a plethora of weapons on offense where McKenzie's mm-hmm. kind of like your wide receiver five now. Yeah, I mean, back when the Bills didn't really have any – top quality or wide receivers, I thought McKenzie could have been one of those guys moving down the line. Um, I guess since getting uh, Stefan Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders, I guess they're, they're going to move towards him being um, more of the special teams receiver, um, you know, the kick returns and whatnot. Honestly, if push comes to shove and he really wants the uh, the job as a starting wide receiver, I'd say give him a chance. Maybe swap him and uh, Cole Beasley in and out. Um, yeah, it's kind of I a, can it's, see it. Yeah. It's kind of a tough spot, right? Just yeah. two, three years ago, you're going from Zay Jones as your best receiver on the squad <laughs> to now all these weapons at your disposal – where you say to yourself, you want to give the younger guy an opportunity because a lot of these guys in which the Bills have, like Emmanuel Sanders, only on a one-year deal, I believe he's 34, mm-hmm. 35. Cole Beasley, uh, about the same at 32, 33 years old. So these guys are not going to be here for the long haul. You want to give the younger guy mm-hmm. an opportunity. But I guess the formula of success is you're winning with experience under your belt. And bottom line is you look at McKenzie in this lineup and you see Diggs and you see Beasley and you see – Sanders, and you see Dawson Knox now, and you see Gabriel Davis, who they have evolved mm-hmm. in this, into this offense. And you say to yourself, is there really even a role or spot for McKenzie in this lineup? And I don't really know if there is. Yeah. I just – I was throwing everything that was on my table after the holding call <laughs> when he got the 101-yard return. Yeah. <laughs> Me too, man. That, I thought the game was fun. over. I had one fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Fonz was not too happy either. Although, I mean, Baltimore all of a sudden, 
seems like I mean they have the best record in the AFC five and one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Albert, you played Baltimore in the playoffs last year. You, you beat them. I, I would love to see you and Fonz have your teams <laughs> meet in the playoffs again. I would year. love to see another rematch between the Bills and the Ravens. I think um, that type of matchup goes along well with uh, every time the Steelers and the Bills meet, me and uh, Raul James, we we just kind of go back and forth. And nice. A- after week one, I didn't hear the end of it for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. great, though. So with Buffalo going into their bye this week, week seven, is there one area of this team that you think needs to be improved? Because I think on all assets, I mean, Sean McDermott's an outstanding head coach. I think Brian mm-hmm. Dable has done a good job with this offense. Leslie Frazier coming in, I mean, defensive coordinator. The defense has been top-notch in the NFL. Is mm-hmm. there one area of improvement that you think absolutely needs to be fixed? If Obviously, Buffalo's won four of their first six games. It seems like last year – they hit their stride towards midseason where mm-hmm. you kind of see every team goes through it. I think there's one or two confusing losses every year that everyone's like, what the hell? How did we lose this football game? Yeah. But what's one area you think the Bills need to improve on to avoid that from happening again? Honestly, um, guys just have to get the basics down, really. I mean – I personally, there's not a lot of chances that I can see the Bills on a consistent basis. Um, But, you know, keep keep practicing the basics. Um, Get those down pat. Um, And I think think the well-oiled machine could last the entire season. I mean, with the exception of the running back position, I, I personally, I don't really see anything that, they can improve on except maybe going, you know, trying to shop around the free agent, see who's a, see who's available. I, I honestly couldn't, couldn't pack down one specific area. Yeah. I mean, that's a good problem to have. Um, I like the way Greg Rousseau has come in as well as a rookie. Mm -hmm. Kyle, you have something to add? Yeah. I would say really the only, concern which i don't i don't really think it's going to be so much of an issue the only thing mm-hmm. that i'd say about this bills team and it's really only because of this game against tennessee really no other game and what i think they're capable of and we didn't even bring up which i'm surprised is that as good as the bills defense is they didn't sack ryan Tannehill one time last night mm-hmm. with the offensive line injuries in which they've endured this season we saw taylor lawan leave the game early they weren't able to get to Tannehill one time last night and that's a little I would say that's a little concerning as part of the defensive game plan. As mm-hmm. much as as much as Derrick Henry was an issue, they couldn't get to Tannehill all game long. But other than that, I, I would agree with the running back factor, but in terms of the game last night, in terms of not being able to get to the quarterback, I don't think that's any way a long-term issue. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as far as the AFC East is concerned, I think New England is the only team that has, like, the slightest shot. Because Miami and the Jets look like works in progress right now. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, as to uh, John's question here, I don't have an asterisk on the game because I no longer consider it one of the two weekly sacrifices for the Bills. <laughs> um, 
I think we do offer the Patriots a bit more trouble than they uh, they need nowadays. But yeah, I, I don't I don't have that little star next to it that says sacrifice week. <laughs> Um, Albert, one one last question for you here. Um, best eating spot down in Winter Garden, Florida. Ooh, best eatery down here. Uh, that's a tough question. There are a lot of good spots down here. Um, honestly. There was this uh, brewery slash brunch spot called the Ravenous Pig. That wasn't too bad. (laughs) (laughs) What did you say? The Ravenous Pig? Yep. (laughs) What a name. We'll have to make sure to check that out. Um, Folks, before we let Albert go, uh, we're halfway through our show. Just want to remind you all, John says Waffle House. I mean, that's a given, though. I mean, mean, if we're talking chains, then I'm going Perkins. But oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Per- Perkins and uh, Margaritaville. But... Margaritaville's all. I saw you were at Universal Studios this past weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, I was. Yeah, uh, nice. I was there Sunday, and I was there Thursday. They currently have their uh, their Halloween event going on, so trying to get the most out of the ticket I bought. <laughs> oh, very cool, very cool, uh, very folks! Cool. Quick reminder. Review and preview merch is available today. You can buy it up until Monday, October 25th. Make sure to get your favorite review and preview apparel. Uh, we have long sleeve tees, short sleeve tees. We have coffee mugs. We have sweatshirts as well. This is just the first batch of our products that we're going to unveil to you guys. Really appreciate the work, Dominic Daniele, and everybody who has put in so far to our um, merchandise. So really appreciate that. And Albert, really appreciate you coming on the show tonight, taking some time. Would you like to add anything before we uh, graciously hope that you don't throw yourself through the table? Uh, Thank you guys for having me on the main show here. It's been a pleasure to be uh, working with you guys the last couple of weeks. Um, And everybody watching, don't uh, forget to check out myself, Fonz, and Mike for Four Corners every Monday at 7. That's correct. Oh, also, as uh, as I usually do, Liquid Death, if you're out there, <laughs> we need you. We're waiting. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to Four Corners next week. Love watching that show. Mondays at 7, folks. That's how we kick off our week here at Review and Preview Sports. Albert, thank you so much for joining and yeah, we'll have you back on again soon to talk some Bills, right. talk some NFL. Hopefully, next time I'm here, the Bills have actually won. <laughs> yes, that would be very nice. All right, go Bills, Albert. Thank you so much, and we'll catch you soon. Have a good one, guys. Thanks, Bert. Take it easy. Thanks, man. That was Albert Donor the Fourth from Winter Garden, Florida. Um, so now we move on and. You know, I mean, we, we talked about the Ravens. Um, obviously, there were a lot of crazy games to talk about in week six that we already highlighted. Um, the Cardinals are the only undefeated team left. And do we still think they're going to – I mean, again, I, I'll i be honest. I still think the Rams come out of the West as the, as the division champs. Uh, what do you guys think? Do you think 
the Wild West runs through the Cardinals right now, or is it too early to tell? I think it runs to the Cardinals, and it comes down to me saying that because, to be quite honest, what are their what are their flaws in the team? Realistically, we know offensively they have zero flaws whatsoever. Now they just added a piece in Zach Ertz, who replaces Mac uh, Max Williams, who's now out for the rest of the year with a knee injury, and is an established Super Bowl winning tight end. Now in a explosive offense, we talk about we talk about a lot of offensively dominant teams in in, in all sports but especially in football because we don't see that many offensive weapons on one single team. Kyler Murray, Chase Edmonds, James Conner, Zach Ertz, Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, DeAndre Hopkins, and A.J. Green. That's that's insanity, the, the offensive plethora of weapons in which they have, and the defense too, guys. The defense is no joke as well. I thought that the secondary would have some issues this year after losing a guy in Patrick Peterson was a cornerstone cornerback for them for the last 10 years prior to signing with the Minnesota Vikings this offseason. They've had no problems whatsoever. And we talk about the Rams, Tom, and obviously it's only one game we'll see later on in the season when they play them again. They made the Rams look silly. They made the Rams look like a bad football team after coming up coming uh, off such a huge win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a week prior. So I think realistically right now there's been nothing that I've seen that tells me any differently that the Cardinals are the team that run the NFC West right now and really run the league right now. Well, I have to come crashing down back to earth. Like I do with the Cowboys. Like yep. it, 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 I get the same vibe. They're, they're, they're flying high. Everything always comes to an end. Now, I don't know if it's going to come to an end this week, next week, or two weeks from now, but – you will see in the later part of the season, you will see the Rams and the Cardinals fighting for that number one spot. Even though the Cardinals are 6-0 right now, the Rams will get hot, the Cardinals will start dying off, and you'll see that battle. That's my opinion. I agree with James. I don't think the Cardinals are going to be able to keep this up. Not that I'm doubting them. I think they're going to make the playoffs. We spoke with Jordan Spurgeon before the season. Mm -hmm. He was predicting that they might finish in fourth place this year. All of a sudden, we're talking about them potentially running the NFC. Kyler Murray's an MVP candidate. Um, and Chase Edmonds hasn't even been 100%. So shout out to them. They've been outstanding. Rams-Cardinals, that's going to be a fun NFC West matchup to break down throughout the course of the season. Now we're going to preview some of the top week seven NFL games. And the first one on deck is the Kansas City Chiefs at the Tennessee Titans. The Chiefs are 3-3. Three and three. Titans are 4-2. and two. Daryl Williams, I thought, did a nice job last week against Kyle Russo's Washington football team. <laughs> and um, it's crazy because the Chiefs, despite their struggles, three and three, uh, they have the second-ranked offense in the NFL. Titans have third-ranked rushing attack. And the last time these two teams met in 2019, the Titans won 35-32. I remember working that game. That was the Chiefs' last loss of the season. Um Derrick Henry already has almost 800 yards on the ground and 10 touchdowns through just six weeks. How does this bottom-of-the-barrel Chiefs defense stop him on Sunday? It's very concerning because Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are two of the best quarterbacks in the league. If Josh Allen and the Bills defense couldn't stop him, what makes us think that 
the Chiefs defense is going to stop Derrick Henry. I don't think they are. No, I don't. I don't think they are either. I think if you're if you're somebody picking the Chiefs or you're picking the Titans, you're betting on that offense. You're not betting on either of those two defenses. You're betting on that offense to pull out the victory. But now what we've seen, because we look at this Chiefs team, we see three and three, and realistically, the only reason why they're three and three is because of Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, even though he's thrown eight interceptions this year, which is, I think, what, tied for third or or, or third in the NFL behind uh, Trevor Lawrence and yeah. Zach Wilson, he has carried them offensively in terms of yardage, in terms of touchdowns with 18 touchdowns, because they have lost their running back in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, even though Darrell Williams steps in against Washington and has himself a solid game. They've been dropping a decent amount of passes. This looks like a completely different Chiefs team. But same goes with the Tennessee Titans. Like I said, up until last night, they were probably one of the more disappointing teams, if not the most disappointing teams in all of football in terms of where we thought they'd be versus where they actually were in terms of stance in the AFC, in terms of stance in the NFL. Again, the reason why I don't really think people looked at it that much is because, again, in the AFC South, in such an awful division, they were still number one, even with their record of uh, three and two at the time. So with this game, I think it's a matter of just who are you get, who are you betting more on offense? Are you are you riding with Patrick Mahomes? Or are you riding with Derrick Henry? That's really the question mark because I don't think in terms of defense, neither of these teams are going to be able to stop either one of these offenses defensively. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the Chiefs, they're the. You know. Patrick Mahomes' brother and fiance just needs to stay out also the, the the world too of the the you know the spotlight. I don't think that's also helping him on the field either, to be honest with you. I know I know, you know, you try not to bring that stuff on the field, but I think it's a distraction for him. Um listen, the no matter it's gonna be a high scoring game. That that that's how I see it. Because neither defense is gonna play defense. You might as well have them sit on the side and just have the offenses sling. Might as well. That's 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 very true. That's a good point. Um, but I still think the Chiefs are going to win this football game because um, as much as I want to pick Tennessee, I, I think the the Chiefs have already lost enough games that they're, they're just fed up of, of losing and they want to get back to their winning ways. I think the Titans right now, they have a lot of players in the secondary who are unavailable due to injury. Caleb Farley tore his ACL. Who the hell is going to guard Tyree Kill? and Travis Kelsey, and Darrell Williams ran right through Washington's teeth last week. He's going to do the same thing with Tennessee. Yeah. Um, so how are we supposed to be convinced that the Titans win this football game? Um, I don't know. I mean, they beat Buffalo, yes, but can lightning strike twice for Tennessee? I don't know. Potentially, but I don't think so. I'm I don't going Kansas so. City. As much as Derrick Henry has done for the team in, in Tennessee over the course of the last two, three years, when it comes down to it, your quarterback is going to win you the football game. And if you're mm-hmm. picking between Patrick Mahomes and Ryan Tannehill, you're taking Patrick Mahomes every day. Agreed. I agree. All right. So clean sweep for the Chiefs? Yep. Yeah. Next up. Bengals at Ravens, four and two against five and one. Who thought the Bengals would be four and two? I knew we all thought that they'd be an improved football team, but man, they are a team that 
not only drafted well the past couple of years, they drafted Logan Wilson in the third round last year, who's been an outstanding gem for them. Um, T. Higgins is an afterthought with the play of Jamar Chase. And Joe Mixon played hurt and still got 100 yards on the ground. Not to mention, yeah. I mean, you drafted Jackson Carmen. I'm pretty sure that's a lineman that they that they drafted. Yep. And then uh -huh. um, Trey Hendrickson has been outstanding as a defensive Huge. line. Huge. Um, Jesse Bates playing on a contract year. He's looking pretty good. Um, this Cincinnati squad, man. Joe Burrow is really bringing a winning culture to this football team. And Zach Taylor, year three, I mean, this is the year that you got to start winning football games. His job's been on the line the last couple of years. And right now, uh, Zach Taylor's hot seat is probably cooling off just a little bit. Um, there's still time for it to warm back up, of course. But um, I really like what the Bengals have done. Joe Burrow, 14 touchdowns, seven picks. Uh, Jamar Chase over 550 yards already in five TDs, and this is what's going to kill us, guys. And I hate to bring this up. It's 8.21 p.m. on the show, but B.J. Hill, three sacks mm. for the Bengals, their second leading sack getter. I uh, love it. Lovely. It's tough. It's tough, and they're going up against a Baltimore team. They're starting left tackle. Just announced that he has to have season-ending surgery on his ankle. Um, the Ravens just blew, yeah. they just blew out the Chargers, which is great. But now Lamar doesn't have his top priority on his blind side. They're already missing Ben Cleveland due to some issues. And Lamar, I mean, yes, Rashad Bateman's coming back. You have Hollywood Brown. You have Mark Andrews, who's clearly Lamar's number one target. But, man, this Cincinnati defense is going to pose a real challenge for Baltimore on Sunday. I'm still torn as to who I'm picking in this football game. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think this is the game of the week right here. We were talking yeah. last night about there's not that many great matchups this week. I think this is the best matchup by far. This is not only to put yourself ahead in the division, but this is really a telling tale of who's really going to represent the AFC as a whole. Because a lot of teams have a question mark next to their, next to their names in terms of the AFC right now. We don't know what the Kansas City Chiefs are. We don't know what the Titans are. After last night, we really don't know what the Bills are. The Baltimore Ravens, with everything that's gone against them this season, they're the number one team in the AFC right now in terms of their record. And Cincinnati, if it's not for Evan McPherson missing some field goals against Green Bay, they'd have the same record as Baltimore. So right now you look at this game, again, I think this essentially this will come down to quarterback play. This will be, will Lamar Jackson be able to do it again? And everybody says that he won't, and he continuously does it. You know, I texted last night in the group chat. Who would have thought that after six weeks of football, Baltimore would be the only team who seems to have a problem week in and week out in terms of losing key players in their lineup, and yet it doesn't seem to affect them whatsoever in terms of putting more wins in the win column. And so in this case scenario, as much as I love the progression of the Cincinnati Bengals team, I'm riding with the hot team right now in the Baltimore Ravens. Me too. I think Baltimore's going to win. They they just – it's going to be a very close game, I think, but Baltimore has that home cooking advantage at home. And the, the Ravens made me look foolish last week picking the Chargers. Uh, I'm not going to do it again. Baltimore's going to win and improve to 6-1. and one. James? 
Agreed. Uh, I think it will go into overtime, though. Oh, Baltimore okay. Will, Baltimore will take it out in overtime, but it's going to be a fun game to watch. You know, it's funny because three of the five games we, we recapped earlier on in the show were overtime games. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of overtime last week, um, so very interesting. Uh, next up, um, I, I want wanna... to see – wait, but yeah, pin that. Yeah. I want to see Fonz have a heart attack, go Bungles. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I really don't care who, who wins this football game, but uh, Joey B, I'm starting him in one of my fantasy leagues this week because Josh Allen's on a bye, Albert. So hopefully Burrow is able to uh, pick on that backup corner who's filling in for Marcus Peters and uh, avoid Jason Oa at all costs. So. Yep. That's kind of what I'm thinking on this week. I'm thinking on an offensive shootout. That's what I'm thinking on this week. So <laughs> thanks for the comment, Albert. But um, yeah, ho- hopefully it's a good football game. But next up, Bears at Bucks. The Bears actually handed the handed the Bucks their second loss of the season last year. Can they do it again? Because they're in a very similar situation. Tom Brady, he leads the NFL in passing yards at 44 years old. God bless him. Um, 17 <laughs> touchdowns and just three interceptions. Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, all over 400 receiving yards. Their defense is outstanding. Shaq Barrett with four sacks. They drafted Antoine Winfield a year ago. He's been great. Joe Tryon has been solid. Mm-hmm. Man, Tampa Bay, they really – I mean – Yes, they lost to the Rams, but gosh, I I don't know if Chicago stands a chance this time around. I mean, this I mean, Bucks team is so much more well put together, and they actually have a legit running back this year in Leonard Fournette, who is starting to rejuvenate his career. Yeah, He's starting to look like we yes. did that one year in Jacksonville. Yeah, the playoff Four, year, the 2017 year. Fournette yeah. is easily a top 20 running back right now at worst. Um, oh, I would I would go as far as say in terms of, of value to the team. I might even go as far as say top ten running back. To be quite honest with you, I mean, listen, his value on another team would be so much more tremendous. We see yeah. kind of how he gets forgotten about on such a offensively dominant <laughs> team. Yeah, not not even healthy right now. Missing Rob Gronkowski, who if he plays this week as well, just more at the disposal of Tom Brady. But like you said, Tom, you know. Tom Brady is not forgetting what down it is this year. And now being at Tampa and not playing at Soldier Field, Tampa is going to win this game. Even though Chicago, I think, is shocking a lot of people. Somehow are at a record of 3-3 and through six weeks of football. They've lost their first and second string running back, even though uh, Khalil Herbert, I believe his name is, went off for almost 100 uh, yards rushing and a touchdown last week against Green Bay. And they kept it close against Green Bay until – Aaron Rodgers told everybody at Soldier Field that he still owns them, uh, winning with a 24-14 to 14 final score. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to win this game. Uh, I don't think I don't think by much because the Bears' defense has, has kind of gotten back up to that same level that we saw them in 2018. They played very, very well, but I still think the Buccaneers win this matchup. Yeah, I agree. I think the Bucs are going to win. I mean, don't discredit Roquan Smith, Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack. Um, they have guys on their defense. James, who do you got in this game? Are we three for three again? We're three for three. All right. James has learned his lesson with picking against Tom Brady. 
I'll pick against Tom Brady, but I know the Chicago Bears aren't going to do anything. So <laughs> I have to pick against Tom Brady on smart picks. I can't look like an idiot, Kyle. Yeah, There you go. I mean, don't do it because Fonz the Falco cares about you. He I know does. he does. He does. He cares about you. And he, you know, I mean, we all picked the Chiefs to win the big game last year besides Gabe. So Did I? I thought I picked Tampa. Yeah, you picked the Chiefs. You picked Tampa at the beginning of the season. That's what it was. Yeah. I did. I picked Tampa clip. in the beginning of the season, and then I got scared oh, and went on. Yeah, 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 that's right. You got scared. You went the safe mm-hmm. way, and, and, and it bit you in the butt. Love to see <laughs> it. Love to it see it. Um, last game we're going to preview is the Colts at the 49ers. Two sub-500 teams, but two teams that I think have potential. Um, the Colts, yes, their two wins are against the lowly Dolphins and uh, Texans. Uh, or it might be the Jaguars and Texans. I'm not even sure. But, yeah, they uh, – Pin Albert's comment, never doubt Tom Brady, Fonz. We should trademark that quote that nobody else can say that besides him. Put it on his um, shirt with Fonz's face on the back just giving a thumbs up. Yo, yeah, that would be a good little, merch uh, idea. No. Throw it out there. Never doubt Tom Brady, period, I care about you all. That's what yeah, it's got to say. Pretty honestly. much, that's what it has to say. Um, but uh, Indianapolis yeah. beat Miami and Houston to uh, that's who it was. Tom. Yeah, that's who I figured it was. I don't yeah, know why yeah. I was second guessing myself, but the 49ers, they are banged up yet again. I mean, Elijah Mitchell's back, but he's not a hundred percent. Jimmy G is back after the bye. No George Kittle. He's on short term IR. Um, I like Debo Samuel. He has eight big plays already this season. He's one of the leading receivers in the NFL yards-wise. And Nick Bosa has five sacks. He's the uh, anchor that makes that defense run. So San Francisco is a scary team at home. And Carson Wentz, you know, the Colts really, they draft very well. I mean, look at who they've drafted in the last couple of years. They drafted both Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman last year. Now those are their top two weapons on offense, right? I mean, you have Quentin Nelson. You have an excellent offensive line. Um, Carson Wentz only has one interception this season. Um, he's starting to come into his own a little bit. Not that he's, um, you know, playing with a whole lot of fire, but he's putting up respectable numbers. And, you know, this is another game that I'm going to have a really tough time deciding on because I really just don't know. Um these two teams are, you know, I may say one thing on the show, but on quick picks, I may say another because it all depends on injuries, who plays, who, who doesn't. Um, Got to give the Colts a lot of credit with their defense. Darius Leonard, the Forrest Buckner, Al-Kadeen Muhammad, who's a local kid from North Jersey, um, went to high school with uh, my, my old housemate. So th- this Colts defense is good. They're good, but so is San Francisco's. So what I see happening is a very low-scoring game. Old-school football, a lot of running. I don't see much passing happening in this game. I, While I agree in some aspects, I think on the cold side of the ball, I think I see a lot of passing uh, because the, the 49ers secondary is completely decimated this year. They have no answer week in and week out at the cornerback position. They lost Jason Brett early in the season, and they've just had no answers since. And with Jimmy Garoppolo, again, I another guy, you just don't know who you're getting. You don't know if you're getting the, the quarterback that will get you to the end of the game, that will win you the game, or you're getting the guy that may be the loss and cause of the reason why you didn't complete the victory. 
I like Indianapolis in this matchup. I, Jonathan Taylor, we talk about guys that have kind of developed. He had a hot start to last year and didn't necessarily perform the, the greatest the second half of last year. Now he's coming on as like a top seven running back in all the football. He's played absolutely tremendous behind this fantastic offensive line as a security blanket for Carson Wentz to kind of develop in that offense. Michael Pittman Jr. has been a wonderful uh, surprise for them as well. Uh, Jack Doyle in that offense, Zach Pascal in that offense as well. T.Y. Hilton coming back last week against the Houston Texans, putting up some nice numbers as well. I think they're going to take advantage of that secondary for the 49ers. I'm going to go Indianapolis on this game, guys. James? I'm going to keep mine short. Um, Carson Wentz gets hurt this game, I want to say, by quarter two, and San Francisco wins. (laughs) You're predicting injuries? I'm dead serious. There was something that, like, when you were talking, Kyle, and I'm like, Carson Wentz is going to get injured this week. And James, we're asking to predict scores, not who's going to get injured, man. San Francisco's going to win. But it came to my head, so. If he gets injured, I just want everybody to know, you heard it here first. Yeah, James, what James says goes, right? Yeah, okay. So, I just... Somehow the 49ers are five-point favorites in this game. I don't understand how. Uh, maybe just the home field, but they don't have George Kittle. Um, that's their best offensive weapon. Brandon Ayuk has really, been completely taken out of the offense. I don't get that. Oh, yeah, yeah I don't he's, understand that, too. He's, he's been DFA'd by a lot of fantasy teams, too. Uh, he was good last year, and I picked him he up. Was good. And San, Fra- San Francisco lost Raheem Mostert week one, so – They've been dealt the raw end of the deal, and I think the Colts are just a little bit healthier right now. Um, so I'm going to go with them in this one to upset, With uh, as I agree with Kyle here. Also, I just prefer the Colts more than the 49ers, so uh, I'm going to go. However, their two wins are against probably two of the worst football teams in the AFC right now. Uh, two out of the four I mean, there's four really bad teams in the AFC, Jaguars, Texans, Dolphins, and Jets. Um, and the Colts have beat up on two of those four. Um, 49ers were hanging in there tough against Green Bay. So I may switch my pick for quick picks depending on who's in and who's out, but I'm going to go mm-hmm. with that right now for the sake of the show. Um, all right. Time to transition into some uh, college football talk because – we haven't talked about that in a little bit on review and preview and we're towards the point of the mid season part of our show. And I do a college football show on the side on from the sand sports with Brian McArdle and Andy Hopper. Make sure to go check us out um, at from the stand sports. We're on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Every Thursday morning we record, we put our episodes out. We make our shots and chaser picks weekly. They like to tease me about Notre Dame. Uh, if you check in our Facebook group, Brian is very good at predicting things um, weeks before they happen. Um, mm. He predicted a Giants win against the Saints. He predicted a Cincinnati win over Notre Dame. And he predicted the Bucks to draft Kyle Trask all before they happen. So um, wow. with that being said, I've been very trustworthy on his college football playoff projections. But before we get there, let's talk about Coach O. Out at LSU after the 2021 season, not even halfway through the year, and they come out and they upset Florida 49-42 to on Saturday. 
Tyreon Price had 287 rushing yards and three touchdowns. And LSU's defense, they had an answer for Emory Jones. And more importantly, they had an answer for Anthony Richardson. It seems like Florida still can't decide who their QB is going to be. And we're in week eight. I mean, it's a, it's a real shame that just two years removed from the national championship, that Coach O won't be returning as head coach. I'm sure a lot of teams will be calling him up. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. 2022 year. Yeah, we saw some things come out about you know stuff he would do at practices. Players didn't necessarily agree with. I don't know if that's the main reason why, but with a record, I believe this year four and three. Tom, like you said, a, a sort of a cushion in a sense in, in terms of because remember how he took over that team for for less miles. He was just supposed yeah. to be an interim head coach, and he leads LSU to a national championship with Joe Burrow and what was one of the most terrific offensive displays of a season ever. And they weren't even with some of their key offensive pieces like a Jamar Chase. <laughs> Imagine what he would have done with that guy now as we see him transition to the Bengals with Joe Burrow. But, yeah, like I said earlier, uh, coaches will be – teams will definitely be calling. Uh, obviously, don't know the full extent of the reason why he's being released, but uh, after hearing some of those earlier statements, that has to be definitely one of the reasons why, after hearing some player reactions to it. Yeah, I mean, I don't agree with them making that decision, but LSU was having an off year. They were losing to teams they shouldn't lose to. And as the head coach, you have to take part of that responsibility. You have to take on a big bulk of that responsibility for losing football games that you should win. <laughs> they got in the Harris by Kentucky. So, you know, that, that, that's a real shame. And I think that was the final uh, straw was that loss to Kentucky really set them back. But um, that's a real shame. But now – it's time for our college football playoff pr- predictions. Uh, James, I'll start with you here, put you on the spot. Obviously, the top four, again, the, the official college football playoff uh, standings have not been revealed yet. They usually don't get re- revealed for another couple weeks, uh, usually around that November time. But um, I kind of want to get your take here. There's been a lot of parity this year in the discussion. A lot of good teams have been losing, um, you know, in particular, Clemson is probably mm. not going to make it this year. They, they've lost a couple football games. Alabama's lost the game all, already. So who do you think's making it this season? You want top four, you said? Yep. All right. uh, it doesn't have to be in any particular okay. order. Just give me your four. So uh, one would be Michigan. Michigan 6-0 right now. They've won six straight. I think they'll advance Penn State. They're below Michigan 5-1. Um, they're four and oh at home and one and one on the road. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they make it. Alabama, um, six and one, three and oh at home, two and one at, on the road. That's kind of concerning, but I think they'll be okay. And then I'm sticking with Georgia, seven and oh, four and oh at home, two and oh away. And that is my top four Michigan, Bama, Georgia, and who was the other one? Penn State. Interesting. It's crazy, too, because the second-ranked team just lost to Purdue this past week in Iowa, and they fell to number 11. So now, like, there, there's all sorts of teams in the mix here. Kyle, you're up, buddy. Who is your uh, college football playoff prediction? I think it remains the same at what the standings are right now. Uh, I think that in, in no particular order, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that it yeah, stands no as Georgia 
Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, and Bama. I think Georgia on a bye week right now, a potential trap game uh, against Florida. You look how Florida's played this year, kind of deceiving. They have a 4-3 and three record, but lost by only two points to Bama, a touchdown to Kentucky, and a touchdown to LSU. All close games. They're not ranked this season, obviously, because of those losses, but they've played very closely. Would be expecting to see some competitiveness off the bye week. I believe they play on the 30th of October. Cincinnati, they've looked great all year. They don't really have any tough competition really coming up. Oklahoma, same thing goes for them, except for at the end of the year when they play Oklahoma State, who's ranked, I believe, eighth right now in the country. They lose that game. That could potentially knock them off, but I think they come away with the win. And again, Alabama. I mean, you're not going to keep Alabama out of the college playoff. That's a guarantee. They will be in there. They will. And that's why I think that that's, I think it remains that top four. Even with a loss in the SEC title game to Georgia? Tom, I brought it up to you earlier in the uh, before the show started, and you you looked up and you're like, it's just not fair because that's just how it is. They lost two games last year, right? And yet they still made it. They still made it. Oh, they didn't lose two games last year. Was it the year before? No, that that was the. I think that was the 2017 year. Uh, no, 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 no. That was when that was when Tua was quarterback, but then he got hurt and Mac Jones took over. Last that, year. No, last year they no last year that was Mac lost. Jones. Last year that they was didn't Mac lose Jones. Any games last they didn't year. lose any games. I'm thinking the year prior. Yeah, but I still think again. I think that while Georgia has been very very good this year, obviously undefeated, I just think that you're not keeping Bama out of the playoffs. And then you look at the remaining teams within that top seven, top eight seedings. You're looking at teams like Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. They all have to play each other later on in the season. So they're going to knock each other off, essentially. Yeah. Um, I really want to put my guys in there, um, only because I think they're going to run the table and win out. But And their one loss was to Cincinnati. But I don't think it's going to be enough to leapfrog. I think right now, what, what's Notre Dame at, 14? They're at uh, 13. They're at 13. So, I mean, there's still a chance if the Big Ten teams all beat each other up Bama loses a second game, embarrassingly to Georgia, and um, I guess Cincinnati. No, not Cincinnati. I guess Georgia would have to lose two games essentially. Um, so there, there's still a shot. But my four, I'm going to go Georgia, Cincinnati. I'm going to go Oklahoma. I think they, they figured out their quarterback situation. I think benching Rattler was the right decision. I'm going to go Ohio State as my fourth team over Alabama. I think they're going to win the, the Big Ten. Sticking to the guns. I love it. Well, look, um, Iowa lost. So there's a good chance. I mean, Michigan State's still a threat. Penn State's still a threat. But Ohio State, if they went out, they're going to have earned their place in the top four. And I think with C.J. Stroud at quarterback right now, I think they're in the best position to make that run, um, to not lose a second game. I think it's more likely that Bama loses a second game than Ohio State. Um, but who knows? I think it's either going to be Bama or Ohio State. I'm going to go with Ohio State and just be a little bit different. But on from the stands before the season started, just so you know, my four picks were Bama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Notre Dame. Those were my four picks. Um, I think Notre Dame maybe has like a 
5% chance to get in at this point. I'm still <laughs> holding on to that by a thread, guys. Uh, Jack right. Cohn, Brian Kelly, um, you know, but uh, it is it is, it is, is what it is. Um, all right. Any other thoughts on college football? It's been a really interesting season. Um, UTSA is now ranked at number 24. I didn't even notice that. That's insane. Um, pretty cool stuff for the Roadrunners being ranked. And then Michigan State is still undefeated, as I mentioned. And somehow Michigan is fifth in the country right now, which is absolutely disgusting. That's a travesty that they're ranked that high. They haven't um, played any of the teams that they usually lose to. Yeah, I mean, they barely beat Rutgers. I know that. Um, they won by a touchdown against Rutgers, yeah. Yeah, that, that that's not impressive at all. Um, no. And they barely beat Nebraska. Not impressive. But everybody else they've killed. Yeah, Nebraska lost to Illinois. So, yeah, they – but anyway, we have 15 minutes left in the show. And with the NHL season just underway, we're going to talk some New York hockey. We're going to start with my New York Rangers. Wahoo. Um, the Rangers are 2-1-1, one, and one, currently have five points and a huge win – Last night, Breadman or Timmy Panarin with the game-winning goal over the Maple Leafs. Rangers were badly outshot in this game, and they only won 23% of the faceoffs. But I'm giving the MVP of this game to Igor Shosturkin. 40 saves against the Maple Leafs, and Breadman puts that one away. I think the Rangers lost both of their uh, first two games. They lost one in overtime, and then they've won two in a row. Um Personally, I think there is a lot of reason for optimism right now with the New York Rangers having the new head coach in, in Gerard Gallant. Obviously, there were some questionable front office decisions made in the offseason, but I look at it this way. The Rangers, Lafreniere, he has to step it up this year in year number two. Capo Caco in year number three. Chris Kreider. I mean, the Rangers have guys on their roster that could win them hockey games. Um, so I think this is the start of um, hopefully a bright season for this young hockey team. What do you guys think about the Rangers so far, and where do you see them landing this year? Yeah, Tom, I agree with you 100%. I, I said in the meeting of last year, I thought they were going to be one of the biggest threats in terms of competition in the playoffs. And the only thing that – not only thing, but a lot of things held them short of getting there were all the injuries in which they suffered – in last year's season. Now, if you have health combined with the pieces in which they've added, because I like, I like to make this comparison. I think it's funny. We we've all seen the movie Moneyball, right? Where, mm-hmm. where Brad Pitt is in, in the off season. And he goes, uh, they don't have this. They don't have this, but they get on base, right? The Rangers off season a- after the way it ended against the Capitals, right? What do they need? They needed tough guys. They didn't get good scores. They didn't get good passers. But what do they get? They got guys that could hit. They got a bunch of guys that get very physical, and I think that's really where this team lacked. The goalie play was there. Shesterkin and Georgiev, probably one of the best tandems in all of hockey. We know what the offense brings to the table out of any sort of facet, whether it's Kreider, Lafreniere, Mika Zibanejad, uh, obviously Artemi Panarin. Uh, we saw the kind of development, slow development of Capo Caco as well. He's kind of found his role with this Ranger team as well. 
they will go far. I have no doubt about it. For me, it's obviously health, but that goes along with every sport. But I don't think that anything should hold them back, especially with a coach in Gerard Gallant, who has had so much high praise, especially uh, in his years with the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, obviously bringing them to their first Stanley Cup, obviously not winning, but in their first year in their inaugural season. James, what are you thinking? What are you thinking for those Rangers? They're looking good. Um, I know it's only early on in this. It's only early on. It's early on, Tom. (laughs) No, I'm playing. Um, It's early on. I think they're definitely going to make that next step that a lot of people were hoping they would make that next step later last season. I think like how we had conversations at the end of last season, they're right there to make that next leap into becoming a very good team. It was just a matter of time. And I think their time is probably now. It's the fact, is it early on in the season or is it mid midway through the season they make that next step? Um, they're going to be – the Rangers and Islanders rivalry will probably be fully renewed this season. It's always been there, but more on the competitive side where you see more of the battle between – standings not so much oh yeah we beat the rangers this year but they sit at the bottom of the standings it'll be higher up where it's more of an impactful game for both teams mm-hmm. uh south couple comments sad news not sure if you saw mike bossy lung cancer yeah that's, yeah. that's terrible terrible um, yeah thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family friends and, and colleagues um great person really great person Unbelievable hockey player. Yeah. yeah. Rangers should have won the Dallas game and lost last night. I mean, yeah, you can make that argument for sure. Um, Shesterkin kind of bailed us out. He's right to a, a degree. Uh, the Dallas game was ours to win, and the Rangers blew it. But, you know, you win some, you lose some. You, you won the game you should have lost, then you lost the game maybe that you should have won. I guess that's just how hockey works sometimes and. Uh, it's a very competitive sport, believe me. I've I've worked it in the past, and it's uh, it's something. But I I really like the direction this team is headed in too, because Zabinijad um, looked good last night. I believe he had one of the two goals. Um, and then, realistically speaking, I think Fox having him. I mean, last year he he was just out, outstanding. I think Fox is going to be a, a real factor uh, defensively. Um, I, I just think he's going to be a player that controls the ice a lot. I really like him a lot, but um, I'm not going to make like a record pr- prediction or anything, but I think they're going to make the playoffs this season. I think this is the year that they're going to get in. Um, would you guys agree? Or do you think, are, are, are they going to fall short? Um, how's the playoff format working? Is it the same as last year? Or are they going back to traditional? No, they're going back to traditional. They moved a, a couple around out West because of the expansion with um, Seattle, but nothing in terms of the Metro in terms of how that's affected. Uh, yeah. They've gone back to the traditional ways, but Tom, I'd, again, if they fall short, something seriously happened with this team. Yeah because there is no reason with the roster they have now with the coach that they have why they yeah. should fall uh, fall short, especially because four teams make it from the Metro out of an 18 division. And with teams like Columbus, who I don't think is going to be that competitive, New Jersey, who I don't think is going to be that competitive, I don't really think with the team that the Rangers have assembled, how 
it should be a problem for them to make it this year. Rangers are at the Nashville Predators Thursday evening. Predators are 0-2 currently on the season, so the Rangers will look to pick up their third game and get the two points. Moving on to you guys and your New York Islanders. Uh, Sorokin, 0-2 in net this year so far. The Islanders lost to the Florida Panthers 5-1 on Saturday and lost the season opener on Thursday to the Carolina Hurricanes 6-3. So they've given up 11 goals in their first two games combined. Is it time to push the panic button on the Islanders' defense? No, I no. don't think it's. I don't think it's a concern yet. Um, and it's not me being biased by any stretch of the imagination. They they played two very very talented offensive teams, uh, and two teams that I expect to be very competitive down the stretch in terms of the playoff race. And something that not a lot of people are really talking about as well. You know, Ilya Sorokin started those games because Semyon Varlamov was was hurt. He he. I believe from what I've read, he has not practiced yet. He, he's still injured. Uh, Sorokin is playing the game tonight against Chicago. Mm-hmm. I believe Anders Lee James, I think, just went on the COVID list. Okay. I, did, so, I saw he was out of the lineup earlier before I, before we started the show. I, no, I wasn't able to read too much detail. That's, that's oh, really due, due to a non-COVID illness. Excuse me. Oh, I read that wrong. Due to a non-COVID illness. Bad. Yeah. Okay. But – I would say this. It is a little concerning in this sense, is that the Islanders are doing something that, uh, as far as I know, and I could be completely wrong, a team has never done before. They're going on a 13-game road trip, essentially, to start the season. They are not playing any games at home till the middle of November. And mm-hmm. that, could, that could hurt a team, not having your home fan base behind you for a long, long time, essentially. We still got a month left on the road for the Islanders. Yeah. And that's where things could start to get scary. I mean, these next three games, including tonight, Chicago, one of the worst teams in hockey. They go up against, I believe, Columbus. One of these next few games, they go up against Arizona. They play Vegas, who's tough, but then they finish off the month with Nashville, who's also not looked great. So there are definitely some winnable games there which in, in which they definitely need to take advantage of because obviously we know, you know, it doesn't matter – how you it matters obviously how you start the season every game counts especially in the division which i think in the metro is one of the most competitive divisions in all of hockey you know the islanders are a team that are a team that's aspiring one game away in back-to-back years from going to the stanley cup in a year last year where i truly believe they win that game against tampa they win the stanley cup yes especially how we saw montreal play them you know the tampa Bay lightning alluding to them the Islanders win the Stanley Cup after what they did this offseason, bringing back some of their key pieces. They lost a the guy in Jordan Eberle who was key to that offense. We'll see how they kind of repair that facet of their game, but they're getting Anders Lee back, who they were missing for basically the entirety of the season, half the year last year. We'll see how they improve offensively upon that. But with these 13-game road trip, they need to start winning some games. You can't get too behind or – before you know it, uh, you could you could work yourself potentially out of a playoff spot going for a team that's competing for a cup to now just competing for a fourth seed in the Metro. Let's go Isles, says Nick Tunks. Um, love it, love it. Pulling a Nick. James Walsh. Walsh, well, no, Walsh didn't comment. Nick, thanks for the comment. Uh, I, you texted me, uh, Mrs. Tonks. Thanks for watching, too. His mother's also watching with us. Um, oh, yeah, so – I, the Islanders, the, Kyle alluded to it. The, it's a month on the road. I'm not too concerned 
right now we've played some big teams. I give it – if we lose tonight, I, I'm getting concerned um, because it's the Blackhawks. And then, like Kyle said, we've played some other easier teams. Um, Kyle, they return home, I think it's November 20th. Um, I'll check right now for you. I'll check so, right now. Because I'm thinking of going that week or the week after. Because um, UBS Arena, not going to lie, it's phenomenal. I drove past it a few times. Crazy. Um, Absolutely insane. The, the, the fact is we we have the pieces. It's now just using the pieces. Execute. got to execute. execute. Like, you, you know, it looks good on paper. We've been to the – to the final round, one of the final rounds right before the cup and just fell short this year. We have to execute with Lee back with some of our key players back. If we don't execute, I would consider this year is not a complete failure, but a failure in a sense. We had everything back. We're in a new stadium, a new arena. And if we fall short, like not even making the playoffs, I, there's there's the problem, especially with the Rangers on how well they're looking and playing. Yeah, how do you guys feel about the new arena? Because I know that's definitely going to be a big transition for this hockey team. Like, I feel like it could affect them record-wise this season, the unfamiliarity of being on that ice and not having not being able to play there until you're virtually a month into the season. Um, that could take a toll. Um I don't think it'll affect the Islanders long term, but in the in the short term, the Islanders could see themselves get into a, a little slump. Because that's why I asked you guys before: Are you concerned about the defense? Because I took a look at the scoreboard. The Blackhawks have 18 shots on goal at the end of one period. I mean, there is no score, but the Islanders are getting outshot severely. So, yep. is there concern about? this new arena at all? Because I think eventually things will spill over. The Islanders will get acclimated to it. But at the beginning, this could be a small issue. I don't, I don't, I don't really see it being an issue. I see if anything that that should be the turning point potentially of all this. I'm not saying that the Islanders aren't going to win any games up until they play Calgary on November 20th. James, you were correct, but that should be a turning point, a momentum change. Playing in a new arena, uh, again, getting acclimated to the ice, that could totally absolutely be a thing. But with that fan crowd behind you, that shouldn't necessarily play as big as a factor in which some may believe that is. Uh, I don't, At least I don't think that'll be a factor. You know, the Islanders being such a terrific home team for such a, I don't want to say long time, but the last couple of years, they've been one of the best home teams in all of hockey. In fact, last year, I think they'd only lost, what, four or five games at home all year round? Something Sounds like right. that. They they were terrific at home. And again, granted, that's the Coliseum, not, you know, Belmont Arena, but we'll see what happens. But I don't think that's going to be a transition in which, personally, I'm not worried about it at all. Yeah. Um, Kyle, I hope you're available to host Review and Preview November 16th because I will be attending my first ever NHL game with Hank at the Garden. Rangers, Habs, so that's going to be awesome. That's going to be a lot of fun just announcing that right now. <laughs> Thank you for letting me know. Ever, Appreciate it. My first ever NHL game. You've uh, never been to a, you've never been you've to never a been game? to a game? I've been to hockey games, but I've never been to an NHL game. Nope. It's something else, man. I'll tell you that. Nope. It's something I've else. Been to so many, I've been to so many baseball games, football games. I've been to basketball, never a hockey game. Um, you enjoy it. Yeah, there yeah. is nothing – there is 
I've been to a tremendous amount of baseball and basketball games. I've only been to one football game in my life, but going to an NHL hockey game, going to a hockey game, there is nothing. I, I In terms of staticness, uh, electricity throughout the building, I don't think there's anything like that for a full 60 minutes. <laughs> um, we've approached the 9 o'clock hour, and yes, I'm very excited, looking forward to that. Our last topic of the evening, our way too early Stanley Cup finals predictions. Um, obviously, you know, not going to hold everybody to this if you flunk, but <laughs> if you pick it right, you will get credit. Um, Kyle, I'll start with you. Your way too early Stanley Cup finals prediction. Who are the two teams and who comes out as the winner? I think we're going to finally see Colorado get over that hump. I, I thought that Philip Grubauer, you know, in that 30 to an hour interval in which they lost him in the offseason of the crack, and I thought that was going to be massive and such a hit to the franchise, but they filled the void with Darcy Kemper, who I think is in, uh, an excellent addition to potentially fill that role. Uh, Colorado has fallen short the last couple of years. There's no doubt about it, but I think they get over the hump this year, represent the West. And I think in the East, again, I think it's Tampa, you know, show me, uh, show me a team that you could bet the house on and tell me representing in the East that you could say with confidence that that team is going to go beat the lightning four times in a seven game series. I just don't see that happening. I just don't see it happening. And I'm going to say this as my final prediction. I'll say that the Tampa Bay lightning three-peat as Stanley cup champions. All right. That's better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you could pin Nick's comment. Um, or the yeah, Tampa Nick, the Tampa Bay Rangers, I might say. The Tampa Bay Rangers, I might say. Nick, that can't happen, unfortunately. Um, as an Eastern Conference final, maybe. Um, <laughs> Nick, can almost. Nick uh, when you come up for one of your breaks, we're gonna, I'm gonna have to, we're going to have to go to a game. And I'll explain why that they can't have this. Yeah, game. you gotta, you gotta. Before you see the game, you gotta teach him, James, how hockey works. You gotta teach him <laughs> that's not possible. You just adopt Nick as the review and preview mascot. That 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 would be a fun uh, thing for him to do. But um, you know, Kyle, I'm kind of annoyed at you because you took my pick. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to change it. I'm going to have the exact same pick as you, the Lightning over the Avs in the finals. I think Colorado gets there this year. Nate McKinnon is back healthy. Um, I think the Lightning are going to three-peat. Obviously, um, Kucherov is dealing with some issues right now. We don't know the extent of those issues, but um, I think they're going to three-peat. It's really hard to go back-to-back. I mean, we know that. Tom, it's even harder to three-peat. You're talking about Kucherov dealing with problems. He dealt with problems. He he didn't play like a single game year. in the regular season and then just absolutely playoffs. obliterated the playoffs. So I don't even – that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's just so hard to pick against them. And Vasilevsky, man, he's still Vasilevsky. So, um, you know, I, I, I think we're going to see a three-peat. And Sal has the same pick except a different outcome with the winner. He has Colorado winning it all. Yep. It's not, listen, like, not a bad I, pick I like at all that. either. Not a bad yeah. pick. James. All right, James, be the wild card, man. Oh, Do it. I, 100% I am. I mean, why do you here think I'm here? To, to, to follow everybody's league? No. Uh, St. Blues Isles, watch. 
St. Louis. Actually, no, I'm going to go with Nick's comment. Rangers. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> St. Louis. And then. I don't know. Um, <laughs> no. You're watching us you give our know. picks. You didn't come up with anything? Well, I did, but then then it just. It, it, see, I, I was going to go with St. Louis and the Pens. Okay. That's but, interesting. I don't know if the Pens will make it out right now, but since it's way too early, that's my prediction. All right, we we gotta we gotta write that down. I'm surprised nobody picked the Bruins. He said the Pens. Yeah, the no, Pens. But I'm so I'm surprised that nobody. Picked oh oh the Bruins. oh oh oh. Who do you got James. winning that matchup, James? Yeah, St. Louis. Okay. Okay. What is that? Two cups in two years? Four years. Three years? And- because Tampa, Tampa's gone back to back. Well, yeah. So For three years. That's, yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Well, folks, that's going to wrap up our show for tonight. Um, quick reminder, one more time: if you're still watching, uh, please invest in our review and preview merch. It is up until October 25th. James, you can plug the presentation overlay as well. Um, the merch is available today. Uh, I got it. Yeah, merch is available today. You can get your coffee mugs, sweatshirts, long sleeve shirts, t-shirts. We've got it all. This is a uh, you know quick two week sale, two week campaign. Really appreciate all the support that everyone's given to us so far in buying our products. Um, and yeah, feel free to get some merch, wear it, and uh, you know we also have some other stuff on the way. So, folks, really appreciate you all. For that, we appreciate everybody tuning in tonight to review and preview sports. I'm Tom Scavetta. James Kyle, any final thoughts? Good show, boys. I think this was like the first two-hour-plus show that I've done in the longest of time. I can't even remember last time we did a two-hour show. Uh, there's a lot to talk about because yeah. Yeah. this is the time of year, short time of year, that all the big four are on at once. Yeah, all four sports, we love it. We love it. love it. James, Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. I'm Tom Scavetta saying so long. You've been watching Review and Preview here on Facebook Live. Have a good night, everybody.